Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Paul calls all of us to perseverance. Notice he says, stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast, stand firm in his power. Stand fast, stand firm in his care. Stand fast, stand firm in his way, not our own. What is he telling them? Do not go back to the old ways. Do not go back to your old way of thinking. The Apostle Paul writes a letter with a direct command to his church in Philippi. Stand firm. We will learn that there were some disagreements in the church, and Paul writes instructing them about fights and division. Today, Pastor Jim will teach us this command, to stand fast and to persevere. He will share his own heart as a pastor who, as Paul, has the greatest desire to see people staying faithful until the end and not drifting away from the Lord. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians with part one of his message entitled, Joyful Fighting. Philippians chapter four, verse one through three. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Well, how many of you know somebody who likes to fight? Yeah, a lot of hands go up when you bring that one. Honestly, by the end of the message, I am hoping and praying that we all want to fight. In fact, that we all love to fight. And the title of this morning's message is joyful fighting here you have the apostle writing from jail to the beloved philippian church that he has founded some 10 years ago their church about the same age as our church and some things are starting to happen in their church which i think are some things we could probably see in most of our christian lives and the church is having some problems and do you know why because this church has people in it And anytime you put a bunch of people in one place, you're going to have problems. Now, the church is always going to have a fight from the outside. I know everybody's crying about the fact that they feel like maybe we're losing our religious freedoms, and this is going to be something that's going to really, you know, show us who the true Christians are and who they aren't. So we're going to have fights from the outside all the time. But internally, there must be fighting as well. But it must be fighting together not against one another. Because the battle that we fight is a battle for souls, not just those who don't know Jesus. And if that's you and you're here today, so thankful that you're here today. But we're also fighting for our own souls. And we have to realize this. In chapter 2, we had come across the breathtaking example of the Lord Jesus Christ 
God become a man, that he made himself, the apostle told us, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a willing servant for life, that he died on the cross in our place for our sins so we could have the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. Now think about this for a second. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come to earth and say, I want everything my way? Because if he said, I want everything my way, there would be no forgiveness of sins. There would be no eternal life. And then in chapter 3, the apostle moved us into trusting in Jesus Christ, not our religious activity to get us to heaven. Trusting in Jesus Christ, not that we're a good person. Trusting in Jesus, not the enemies of the cross who would say you don't need the cross to get to heaven. Trusting in Jesus and not the false teachers who are running around right now telling everybody how to get what they want from this vending machine God that they seem to think exists. Not following bad examples, but pressing towards the goal of being with Jesus and being like Jesus seeking out people who are truly following God and following their good examples. And as we move into chapter four, we get some real practical applications on what we have been learning in this magnificent letter up to this point in time. Not some cheesy how to be happy stuff, but how to fight the good fight. How to finish well. How to in the end, hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And so three things we want to look at this morning as part of our joyful fighting. And number one is a command, a command. I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that the commands in the Bible are in the book of Exodus. Oh, the Ten Commandments. When the Bible is full of commands, the New Testament is full of commands. Now, we sort of clean it up a little bit. We call them gospel imperatives. That means what we're supposed to do now that we are Christians. But they're commands. They're not options. We talk about baptism. Command, not an option. Attend the class next Sunday, first service, to hear about such things. And so here's a command, verse 1, which is a bridge verse. It closes up chapter 3, and it connects us with chapter 4, particularly points forward to verses 2 through 9. He says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Again, look at the language, my beloved, my longed-for brethren, my joy, my crown, and once again he says, beloved, and in the middle of it, the command. Stand fast in the Lord. So here we have the Apostle Paul, but let's not forget he was also Pastor Paul, saying to people that he has loved dearly, people that he loved day and night, that he served day and night, that he worked with day and night. He says, therefore, in light of everything that we've been learning in this letter, stand fast. Some versions say, stand firm. We might say, be faithful. 
You see, the apostle knows this. Even though he is the great apostle and he founded the church, that a church cannot be strong without faithful people. A church cannot be strong without faithful leaders who stand in their inheritance. Last week, we talked about being citizens of heaven. At the end of today's passage, he's going to talk about people whose names are written in the book of life. And what does he say in between? Stand fast in the Lord. Interestingly enough, it's a military term that says, hold your position. Hold the line. Notice he doesn't say, you got to go out and conquer the world. No, we trust in God to bring the world to us, really. But he says to the people here in Philippi, and by extension to us, hold down the fort. Stay strong because the enemy's coming. And a strong church knows that it must consist of people who are willing and fighting to withstand the influences that take us away from the Lord. And what are those influences? Well, how about our culture? Telling you all the things that you need to have to be happy. How many of you have noticed it's killing you? (laughs) How many of you have noticed it's taking all your money? How many of you have noticed that the more you work, the less you have? Because the culture has told you what you need to have and what you need to be. There's another thing that's taking us all away from following the Lord, and let's call it what it is, nominal Christianity. People who are half-heartedly following God. That's why he said in chapter 3, find people who are wholeheartedly following, not half-heartedly following. And too often my fear is that people are getting started in the Christian walk and they are following people who are nominal, who are half-hearted, and they are turning into exactly what those people are. How about our own desires? How do our own desires take us away from following the Lord? Thinking that anything that pops into our head might be from God instead of realizing that it's actually taking us away from God. But notice the affection of the apostle that surrounds the command. Oh, therefore, my beloved, my longed-for brethren. That's why I sometimes address you as those things because I know, as the word of God has taught me, there are some serious things that can be going on. And in the midst of the loving affection, the plea goes with it. And what is the plea? Don't give up. Hang in there. Stay at it. Don't quit. Don't waver. Hold the line. Chapter 4 is not saying to us, well, just read your Bible. It is a call to integrity. It is a call to a purity of heart. It is a call to godliness. It is a call to faithfulness. All undergirded, all supported by a confidence and the power of the Lord. And as he did in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul calls all of us to perseverance. Notice he says, stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast, stand firm in his power. Stand fast, stand firm in his care. Stand fast, stand firm in his way. Not our own. 
What is he telling them? Do not go back to the old ways. Do not go back to your old way of thinking. Do not go back to the world's way of thinking. Grow. Become more like Jesus. Think more in his thinking because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because he rose from the dead, because of what he promises to do at our death if we are his followers, because of what he promises to do at his second coming, we can trust in him now. We can stand firm. We can hold fast. Now the context here will be, when we get to verse two and verse three, will be die to your preferences. Die to our divisions because we are all brethren. Because we are all, as children of God, the beloved of the Lord. And so here, the apostle skillfully models for us love and affection. The very love and affection the Lord wants us to have toward all of our brothers and sisters. The attitude of Jesus. The humility of Jesus. The love of Jesus. That our judgments... And we all make judgments constantly in our lives. The Bible doesn't talk about not making judgments. It says don't judge as the Pharisees judge. Make a right judgment. Make a proper judgment. That our judgments would be made in the Lord. According to the word of God. Not like the hucksters on TV call the word of God. They call the word of God what pops into their head. The Bible Make our judgments according to the Bible instead of what? Instead of our imaginations. Instead of what? Instead of our feelings. Instead of what? Instead of our doubts. Some of us need to remember we need to doubt our doubts. When those things come into our head, we need to preach to ourselves. Stop listening to yourself. Start preaching to yourself and say, you know what? That's not true. What I just thought is not true. I doubt my doubts. Did you ever notice that when we think with our own imaginations, we tend to only think about things how they concern us? Did you ever notice that when we think of other people, the propensity that we often have to think the worst? And here the Lord says, no, 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 no. Okay? Make your judgments in the Lord. And notice what he calls them, my joy and my crown. Isn't it interesting that the apostle would talk about a church that these had limited problems. This is not like Corinth. This is, some could say this is his favorite church, but there are some issues that are going on in the church. They've been up and running for 10 years, just like us. There are some issues. And I think the issues is some of the people are not as on fire as they once were. And so he says to them, my joy and my crown. Don't think of he's saying I'm the king. He's just saying my joy and my reward. Picture the wreath that an athlete would get or a gold medal that he would get for winning in the Olympics. And if you don't know what this is like, I can tell you as a personal thing that being a pastor and being a parent has taught me a lot about this, about thinking about people who are a joy and a crown. I cannot express to you the great joy of watching some of you walk with the Lord. I could never express to you the great joy of watching how some of you are growing stronger and stronger in your faith. The Apostle John said this, 3 John 
chapter one, verse four, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You would expect no greater joy than the next promotion at work. No greater joy than I got that car I always wanted, got that house I always wanted. Know that my children would walk in the truth. And as much as that is a joy, I cannot tell you the great pain when the opposite takes place. When you watch children, when you watch people who seemingly came to faith in your church, when you watch those that you love so much walking away from the Lord. I call this the pastor's slow death. And I never knew how painful it would be. No training can prepare you for it. It just can't. To watch people you love leave and most leave step by step by step. You know, there's a song that I absolutely hate. You know, I, I don't like a lot of that cheesy music that they play in elevators and doctor's offices. And I was in the doctor's office a, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, and the Muzak was on. That way, at least I'm guaranteed to feel terrible when I walk in the doctor's office. I just hate that. And there's this song that I absolutely hated back in the day, and it, you probably know it. It goes something like this. Every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. The musicians will come forward now while sing that song, right? Um, I hated that song, and I still do. But I tell you, every time another person walks away from our church, I don't know how it happens, but I feel like I'm losing a piece of my heart. And I think, my goodness, I know what the pastor feels like. I know what Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul feels like, and I just can't imagine what it's like for Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? You think it would be all the success that he had. And what does the apostle say? He says, Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Nothing scares me more than to think that some of you might not make it to heaven. Nothing breaks my heart more to think that people could come into our church week after week after week and never really turn to Jesus Christ, never really put their trust in him. It burdens my soul to think that we are living in an area of New Jersey where successful Christian living is now more important to churches than Jesus Christ. It's sad. It's sad. Verse 20 of 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, For you are our glory and joy. That's why the Apostle Paul commands them, stand firm. He says, just picture a father saying, I love you, man, stand firm. Don't give up. Don't give up. Well, we move from a command to a complication. 
verse 2, we finally come upon, we've said all throughout this letter, there's been some little behind-the-scenes kind of problem in this church that you can't quite put your finger on. And now in verse 2, he kind of tells us what's going on. He says, I implore, some versions say plead or urge. In fact, let's use that. It's easier to understand it. I plead or urge Yodia, not Yoda. And then he doesn't say, and Syntyche. He says, and I implead or urge Syntyche. They both get equal billing. To be of the same mind, and there's that expression again, in the Lord. Literally, it means, think the same thing in the Lord. Or agree as you should, as is right in the Lord. So here we have two Christian women with two strange names. Not two strange women. And the funny thing is so many people pick on, oh, there's women in the church, look at this stuff going on. If he mentioned the men in the church, our Bibles we'd need a pickup truck to bring to every week. So we have these two women that they're causing some sort of division or some sort of a disagreement in the church. And many of you have come from such a place where the disagreements and the divisions are now the focal point of the church. All I can say about here is not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on my watch is our divisions going to be the focal point of this church, not on my watch, are everybody being happy, healthy, and wise, and everything's good all the time. That's not going to be it either. It's going to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. And at least I can stand before God and say, I told them, I begged them, I pleaded with them, not because I'm so wonderful, because the Bible pleaded. And so here they have a disagreement. We're not told what the disagreement is. What does that tell us? That's a clue, Bible students. That's a clue. It's not a doctrinal issue. Because if it was a doctrinal issue, Paul would have said, here's where they're disagreeing, here's who's right, or here's where you're both wrong, here's what it is. Because when it's doctrinal issues, the apostle has no problem saying, drawing the line in the sand, this is it. So it's not a doctrinal issue. We're not told what the issue is. That's not important. What's important is the impact that these kinds of things can have on unity. Unity in a church, unity in a ministry, unity in a community group. Now, if you're here and you're a guest, you're thinking, oh, man, there's all kinds of problems in this church. Well, there'll always be problems because we have people. But this is what the text is telling us about problems, how to deal with problems. So that's why we're talking about it. Now, not telling us is pure genius, pure genius, because the disagreements change over the years. Used to be pet doctrines, people arguing about their little pet things, you know? Just, you know, oh my gosh, they're dancing. They're dancing. You know, can pastors dance? Some can, some can't. I can't, I don't. <laughs> we want to argue about that stuff. They're dancing in the Bible. Well, you know, that's what they did, sinners. Other people, like, they're not dancing, sinners. Worship, worship wars. You ever hear churches have worship wars? It's terrible. There's a worship war going on right now 
on your favorite Christian radio station. Let me ruin them for you. Notice how many times the word I and me are in all the songs. When a song says I or me more times than the Lord or Jesus, please get it off your iPhone. Dump it. Because it's leading you to believe that Christianity is about who? You. It's not. It's not. The war should not be over the type of music. It should be over the lyrics. Pastor Jim will have more insights to share from the book of Philippians the next time you join us. You've been listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kethney, teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. This message from the book of Philippians is available to anyone who calls 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the right teaching in your hands. Again, you can get a copy of today's study on CD when you call 973-659-3380 or by sending an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love also has a website with quite a bit of information. The address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. That's www.changedbyloveradio.com. At the website, you can check out our additional resources, drop us a note, or give securely to support the ongoing expenses of bringing you this program. Changed by Love is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located at 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. From all of the production team, we want to say thank you for joining us today, and we pray that God's Word would change your lives in more ways than you've ever dreamed possible. Please mark your Bibles and join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Philippians, right here on Changed by Love.